Hello, I'm Holly Baker. I'm the podcast producer in the public history program at the University of Central Florida, and I will be your host for this podcast series on the Florida Constitutions. In 2018, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the current Florida Constitution. This podcast series will look back at all the constitutions in Florida, starting with the first Florida Constitution, drafted in 1838. These interviews were recorded at the 2018 annual meeting of the Florida Conference of Historians. The day-long sessions examined each of the Florida Constitutions and discussed how they addressed the concerns of their time. The sessions took place at the Old Senate Chamber in the Florida Historic Capitol Museum in Tallahassee. Robert Casanello, an associate professor of history at the University of Central Florida, and Julian Chambliss, a professor of English at Michigan State University, moderated the discussion. During the conference, Mary Adkins from the University of Florida Law School spoke with Robert Casanello about the 1968 Constitution. Let's listen in. Thank you for joining us today. Do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Sure. My name is Mary Adkins, and I teach at the University of Florida College of Law. So we're looking here at, at the, our current constitution in Florida, and why was there a need to create a new constitution in 1968? Well, Florida, as we know, had grown a lot in the past uh, probably 40 years before that and had uh, completely changed its demographics, had urbanized. Um, the 1885 uh, one was popularly referred to as a horse and buggy constitution because that was the era in which it was written. Um, so it was outdated. It had, it had things that were no longer constitutional in it, like segregation and the banning of mixed-race marriages. Um, but it, it had a few other big problems, too. It provided for no home rule. Um, it had a, a very patchwork uh, court system. There was very little uniformity from county to county. They had, as my predecessor said, are. Um, there was um, uh, very weak branches of government. They were, they were constructed in such a way as to not have much power. In particular, what was often called the plural executive. Uh, we had a, government, a governor uh, with no lieutenant governor. The governor could serve only one term. And uh, there was also a so-called cabinet of six statewide elected members who could succeed themselves indefinitely. And it was the governor and cabinet that made most of the decisions uh, in the state. And so the governor is one-seventh of the, of the vote and uh, less than that of the power. Uh, so, uh, so it was an extremely weak governor. We also had probably the most important thing that drove the need for the new constitution was that its apportionment scheme, its legislative apportionment scheme, was terribly out of date and very hard to change under the old constitution. It was perfect for 1885 uh, when everybody lived here, everybody lived within 50 miles of Georgia or Alabama, but it was, uh, it was intentionally very hard to change that and only the legislature could change the constitution. So by the mid-50s and into the 60s, as has already been mentioned, the legislature was dominated by rural, mostly northern Florida, legislators who had a stranglehold of power. And they were not friendly to the fact that Florida was, was filling up in the center and south with uh, people that were not like them. They were not southern, they were not rural, they were not um, segregationists, some of them were not even American, some of them were not even Christian, some of them were not even white, and uh, they 
So they did not want to let anything change, and anyone who has power doesn't want to give up power. So nothing was going to happen with the apportionment, in addition to all the other things, without a new constitution. How did this constitution in 1968 reflect its time? Well, it sort of, in some ways, repudiated what had come before. Not, not, in, not, in, uh, not a complete repudiation, but it reflected the needs of a more urbanized Florida. One of the biggest things was that it was much easier to amend than the old constitution. And anyone who pays attention to Florida's current constitution knows it has many ways to be amended. And it, in fact, has now five ways, and that is more ways than any other state constitution has to be amended. That was a direct reaction to the narrow road of amendment that went only through the legislature before. also, thing, those things that had not uh, that had been unconstitutional in the old constitutional, like race discrimination, were gone. So that in 1968, we had no constitutional discrimination against race. Um, sex didn't make it in there yet, though. There's an interesting um, debate about why sex didn't get in there. Uh, for one thing. They weren't too sure that women really wanted equal rights, but they were also a little worried that if you said there's no discrimination on the basis of sex, that might mean that gay people could have rights and even the right to marry. And they certainly explicitly did not want that, if you read the debates. Um, Right to work, as as it is called. Um, Some people call it anti-union. That was kind of an idea. of that time. Um, Also, apportionment was made a little bit more flexible. Instead of being um, just dictated, there can only be no more than three representatives in any county, and every county shall have at least one. That's the old constitution. The new one was a little more flexible. An interesting thing that was also, I would say, an idea of the time because it was trying to fix a recent problem Reapportionment came about just before this new constitution because the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court said so. It got in there and it said, states, we don't trust you anymore to do, uh, to do apportionment right. We are going to do it for you. So the new constitution said, all right, uh, we're going to make it a little more flexible. And just in case we can't get apportionment right, we're going to let it go to the Florida Supreme Court. People more recently have said, people who don't know that history have said, why in the world are we letting a court decide legislative lines? And that's the reason. Basically, better our court than the feds. Um, Another thing that was elaborated on in 1968 that really hadn't been in 1885 was the notion of a free, uniform public school system. I could go on and on, but I won't. (laughs) Okay, great. Maybe we'll get to some of the other ones later questions. Um, Are there any new political ideas or philosophies that come out of this Constitution that hadn't been in the Florida Constitution before? Um, I think one of the main things that was um, reflected throughout the 68 Constitution was the idea of popular sovereignty, or you could call it power to the people, which was a slogan of the time. Um, it, it sort of shines through in lots of places. For one thing, 
instead of a constitution controlled by the legislature. It's got citizens' initiatives. It's got the, the nation's only automatically recurring constitution revision commission every 20 years, whether we need it or not. Um, it's got a tax and budget reform commission. It's got the legislature. You could call a constitutional convention, too, if you wanted to. So the power to the people, that's one way it shows. Another way that it shows is through institution of home rule, which was made um, more or less, this is an oxymoron, more or less uniform in the 1968 Constitution, so that local governments had, a, had more self-determination. There were also some ideas that were trying to come through that didn't quite make it, um, one of which was um, an even stronger governor. Uh, there was a, a minority push to have the cabinet be all appointed and not elected, but that was a, a losing minority. Okay, great. And finally here, uh, are there any uh, political debates or conversations that come about as a result of this Constitution? Yes. Actually, the very f one of the first ones was when it was time for the first Constitution Revision Commission. There was a, a, a flaw in the draft of the, of the Constitution, uh, which said uh, that 10 years after this Constitution is, is adopted, and every 20 years after that, there shall be a Constitution Revision Commission. But the details they put on it for when that commission was supposed to have its work done and submitted in time for what general election, it was clear that it didn't make any sense. It couldn't be done. It turned out that that was because the Constitution, drafted by that commission in 66, but not adopted by the legislature and put on the ballot until 68, it turns out that they had envisioned that it would get adopted in 67 and had written this whole provision about Constitution Revision Commissions with, with the 1967 adoption in mind. And so, so that was one of the first things, was they had to go to the Florida Supreme Court and say, which, which provision should we ignore because they're mutually incompatible? So that was one, and it was sort of technical, but it was, it was funny at the time. Another legal debate is once Florida had this almost infinitely amendable constitution, there were people who said, this is too much. You might call it Florida's pregnant pig moment occurred uh, when we actually all together voted on this and passed it, and then a, a lot of us sort of said, what have, I, what have we done? We've just given protection to pigs in our Constitution that's beyond what the protection we give to human beings in the Constitution. So there then became an amendment proposed to make it harder to amend the Constitution. In 2006, I believe it was, we, there was a citizens, I believe it was a citizens initiative um, to make the threshold for adopting a constitutional amendment be 60% instead of 50%. And that passed by 55% and made it into the Constitution. So a little bit of a backlash against this, uh, such a degree of power to the people. Also, the citizens' initiatives, again, have not turned out, I think, they have not turned out to work the way people 50 years ago thought they would work. They have been much more driven by special interests and, and moneyed interests, you might say, 
uh, than being a true grassroots um, effort in, in most instances. Uh, but they're still going on. Those are the, uh, again, there, there are many more things that we could talk about, but those are a few just in the nature of the Constitution itself that come to mind. So I guess the lesson here is, is too much Constitution may not be a good thing, right? Is that the... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That was Mary Adkins from the University of Florida Law School discussing the 1968 Constitution. Thanks for listening to this podcast series on Florida Constitutions. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation, and if you did enjoy it, please recommend it to others. Post it on your Facebook or Twitter page for others to find. I'm Holly Baker, and I have enjoyed being your host over the course of these episodes. This series was produced by Robert Casanello and Julian Chambliss. We'd like to thank David Proctor and Jesse Hinkson with the Florida Conference of Historians for assisting in the recording of this series. You can find out more about the Florida Conference of Historians at www.floridaconferenceofhistorians.org.